Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome to Season 11 of the Parenting Aces Podcast, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and this week I am bringing Coach Todd Whittem back on the podcast to follow up on our recent conversation about the prevalence of international players in Division I tennis, both on the men's and the women's side here in the U.S. I've gotten a lot of feedback on that podcast, and both Todd and I thought it would be a good idea to have a follow-up conversation to address some of the concerns and questions that you guys have been raising, both on Twitter and Facebook and in my DMs. So I'm excited to have Todd back to offer additional insights on what American families can do to help their children be more competitive to Division I college coaches, and also what American families can do to expand the funnel of college tennis opportunities available to their junior players. So for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy my follow-up conversation with Coach Todd Whittem. Well, Todd, I don't usually have people back on two weeks after I just had them on, but our conversation two weeks ago warrants a follow-up. So here we are. Welcome back. <laughs> Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for having me back. I am not in my home. As you can see the brick behind me, I'm actually in North Carolina with my eight-year-old son at the uh, World Championships U.S. Kids Golf event. So we're here. I would consider this taking uh, a tennis uh, student to Wimbledon. That's how great it is for the, for the little golfers. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I want to talk about that event with you because I recently posted a thread on Twitter about watching two documentaries, one about youth golf and one about youth tennis. And um, the one about youth golf focused on this event that you are at this week. And I, I, I mean, what are we doing in this country to our young athletes? It is crazy, crazy, crazy. But okay, not going to go there this week because we got too much else to talk about. We, we need to jump into this issue of how do we level the playing field in college recruiting at the division one level for American junior players. As we talked about in that last podcast, over 60% of division one college tennis players on both the men's and the women's side come from outside the U S why is that? What do we do to remedy that or at least make it level Um, I am all about having diversity on college tennis teams. I think it provides amazing opportunities for the American kids as well as the international kids to get to know each other from a tennis perspective, but more importantly, from a human perspective. And, you know, the world is crazy right now. And I think the more we can bring together people from different cultures, the better our hopes are for the future. Politics aside, From a tennis perspective, I think 
that we all have things to learn from one another. So it's great to have that diversity. That said, I think it's a problem when over half of the rosters are filled. Well, the rosters are filled over 50%, over 60% with kids not from the U.S. And we got to fix that. There's been a lot of chatter on social media since we posted that podcast. You've gotten feedback. I've gotten feedback. I've had some really interesting conversations with people. John Wertheim of Sports Illustrated even pushed our podcast out because, you know, he recognizes that this is an issue as well. And so kind of what I want to get to today is some solutions, because it's one thing to talk about the problem. But that just leads to frustration if you don't propose ways to address the problem and remedy it moving forward. So let's talk about what's going on. Why are the college coaches pulling so heavily from programs outside the U.S.? (laughs) How long do we have to talk about this? I know. I know. Yeah. And also keep in mind the statistic that you're getting basically said 62 to 63 percent of all males and females in division one were in our international. And that was from 2018. That's right. Right. So, you know, I would think it's more, maybe it's in the seventies now. Right. So I I would, I would guess, right. That's a guess. I know you tried to find the exact numbers for 2020, 2022, but weren't able to do that. Mm -mm. Um, I mean, I think, I think, you know, there, there's, there's definitely a whole multitude of, of, of reasons. Right. I mean, number one, I believe a college coach, is looking for a certain type of mentality and student athlete to represent them and their team, right? They want great apples on their team. They don't want any kids bringing their team down. They want kids that they're not babysitting. They want kids that can win for them, right? Right. right. And and understand they're in the business of, of winning, right? Just like any other sport, whether it's college baseball, football, basketball, you know, swimming, diving, golf, you know, it doesn't really matter. You know, I'm in the business of, I need, I need, I want my students to do well as well. I mean, that's my job is that to make sure they're still progressing and, and how to help them. And then obviously place them in, into a tremendous university or maybe a pro career. Right. So, so that that's, that's the business that I'm in. So, you know, I mean, I believe that, you know, it, you know, when you look at any of our junior tennis players, right. Junior tennis careers have to be managed well, right? And what do I mean by that? When you just look at what's going on in the United States, it's obviously showing that, you know what? Tennis lessons and clinics and groups maybe is is not everything that you need for your child to go play at at a great level of college, right? right? There's a lot more to developing a junior player than lessons and, and groups and clinics. Well, right? and, and point chasing, right? I mean, right. We, that's, that's one of well, the elephants in the room as well is the way that our junior competition is set up in this country and the way our ranking and rating systems are set up in this country. You know, it's, it rewards the one who can play the most matches and the most tournaments, which let's face it. If you're doing that for 10 plus years as a child, imagine the level of burnout by the time these kids actually step foot on the college campus. And listen, my son was a a great example of that. 
You know, he got to college, he was excited to play, but then quickly was just like, I am so over this. I have been doing this day in and day out, year in and year out since I was five years old. Enough. Yeah. You know, I, you know, like I said, I believe you have to, you know, have someone managing that junior player's career very well. I mean, as many of you know, or you follow me on social media, that gentleman was Pierre Arnold and also his late partner, George Paris, right? And they were developing many, many champions in South Florida in a big academy setting mm-hmm. with about 80 or 90 students. Um, so, you know, when, when, when you talk about managing the career of a junior tennis player, you know, there's a lot of things that need to be managed, whether it's the amount of tennis lessons, the amount of groups, the amount of match play, um, physical fitness, the mentality, right? You know, I mean, there, there's a lot of things. So, you know, for example, when we talk about kids that are playing too many tennis tournaments, if we're talking, you know, maybe, you know, maybe a 12 year old or a 14 year old, I was maybe playing one tennis tournament a month, right? All this right, is going to blow. Say that again. Yes. Todd Whittem from maybe, <laughs> you know, I started you know, training pretty hard at seven years old. But when I was 12 to 14 years old, I was maybe playing one tennis tournament a month. So when, when, if, if, if you know me or you see what I write on social media, I always harp on what your child is receiving on a daily basis training wise, whether, you know, the tennis training to the physical training to the mentality, you know, so many different things, right? That, that, that was first and foremost was developing, you know, very sound techniques, you know, mechanics, movement, tactics, you know, all these different things and to build this tennis player so that they can achieve what they would love to achieve, which was for me, my dream from when I was seven years old was to be a professional tennis player. And I was trained by guys that produced many professional tennis players. So I was in that arena at a very young age. When we talk about and understand that as an American, American kid, right. Male or female coming through the system. When we, when, when the, when the kids are playing short sets and short formats, understand that kids worldwide are not right. They are playing two out of three sets. They're learning how to compete better as well. So you can put the training aside right now. Let's just talk about tennis tournaments. Those kids are playing two out of three sets. They're learning how to compete. They're learning how to win playing ugly. They're learning how to win playing well. They're learning how to play against all these different styles. They're learning how to win playing tired. They're learning how to win cramping. They're learning, you know, how to play on different surfaces. You name it. Many times the foreign international tennis player coming through juniors is, is a lot more seasoned and, and a lot more experienced than, than, than an American tennis player. They're also they're training differently, which, you know, I've talked about a bunch. Um, and really when my son went and trained in Spain that summer, you know, we were exposed for the first time, he directly being on court, me from, you know, the text messages back and forth to what the training looked like every day. It was very different from what he had been doing up until that point, but also, the type of competition that as you're talking about that these kids are facing is so different from what we're exposing our kids to here in the U S and 
it's not just the match format, the scoring format. I mean, that's a big piece of it, but also they're competing against college players, against professional players, against adult players from an early age and on a regular basis. They're not just competing against their age group peers for 12 years as they go through juniors. So they're learning how to play against different styles from a very young age and to manage the the stress of that. You know, it's difficult to play against somebody who's non-traditional, who doesn't have beautiful strokes, who chops and, you know, drop shots and lobs and, and does all kinds of things to throw you off. So our kids just don't have as many opportunities to do that. I don't know why that is. I grew up playing against all kinds of people. I used to grow up like that, but that's changed for some reason. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, you talk about, you can talk about different styles that the kids are growing up competing against. You know, I can't tell you how many phone calls that I've gotten or emails over the last 12 years where the parents are, 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 are voicing their opinion of, you know, I think my child really has nice strokes. They have nice techniques. You know, they've, they've, you know, we've, we've paid for lessons and, and that, but they're really not winning much or they're having trouble winning matches. And there's so much more to tennis than having a nice circular C forehand, right? Or, or a nice backhand yeah. that maybe I'm trying to copy Andre Agassi or Novak Djokovic. I mean, that's, that's all fine and dandy. That's nice. It looks pretty. But, yeah. yeah. But there's, can your child win? Can they handle pressure? Can they move? Do they love to compete? You know, I mean, there, there's a lot of things, you know, do they love to train? Right. You know, are, you know, so there's a lot of, lot of things that, that need to be focused on outside of just taking a nice, beautiful tennis lesson where the coach drop fed you some balls, or maybe they fed the ball to you and, and, and you come at a lesson, wow, I'm hitting the ball really well. And then you go into a tennis tournament and like, Oh my gosh, things didn't go so well. What's <laughs> happening, right? Yeah, and, that, and I've I've seen that and heard about it many many times. Um, you know, there's you know when when we when we talk about development, you're looking long term, right? You're looking long term, right? And so I can understand when 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 kids are you know 16. You know, my my whole business started you know really trying to guide a 15 to an 18 year old student. And, and, and that, and that particular student was, was not on a good division one path. And I had to spend four to five hours a day with, with that student or in a very small group setting and fix. And I was hitting and feeding and hitting and feeding all day long and then going to tournaments to monitor, to see if they, if, if these, these fundamentals were fixed and that that student could apply them under pressure in a tournament. So I was always monitoring that and everything. I believe you know, and I've thought about this, you know, uh, you know, since I've been coaching and everything and, and you're seeing how, how, you know, American tennis is going. I believe that if, 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 if a student, you know, whether a male or female wants to play, you know, great division one tennis, you're going to have to do things differently. You're not going to follow the crowd. And it's showing that mm-hmm. the customary lessons and groups there it's, it's not, it's not working too well right yeah. on the amateur on the amateur side in in this country right so you're going to need someone in your corner 
that is experienced, that knows how to manage a career, that can really pay attention to your child's needs on, on a daily basis, or maybe checking in with that, with that child, you know, regularly to make sure that they're on the right path, that the parents understand, you know, how to manage the proper amount of tournaments and rest and training and, and, and all these things. And, and I believe that's where it's really going at, at this moment. Well, and, and I want to be very clear because I did get some feedback on this, that we're not saying that the American kids aren't good enough to compete. I mean, there are plenty of really talented American junior players that could be impact players at high level colleges, whether it's division one, two, three, NAIA, junior college, whatever it is. But what, what seems to be happening is yes, there are some NCAA rules in place that are interfering with Americans ability to get recruited. And, and we talked about that in the last episode, but what else is happening is a lot of these kids are just sick of tennis by the time they get to college because they have overtrained and overplayed for so many years and haven't been allowed to have breaks from tennis to do other things. And I'm not talking about a month break or a six month break. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about over the course of their week, they need to be doing something besides going to school and playing tennis. There needs to be something else in there to give these kids a mental break, a physical break, even if it's playing another sport, which, you know, I'm all about multi-sports, you know, up until age 14 at the very least, but playing beyond age 14 at a recreational level, why not? Why aren't these kids out swimming or playing pickup basketball or you know, kicking around soccer balls with their buddies, they, they need these physical and mental and emotional breaks from tennis in order to maintain focus, to maintain a healthy body, a a healthy mind, a healthy approach to this big goal of playing high level college tennis, regardless of division. And, and, and please understand that when I say high level college tennis, I am not just talking about division one. Right. Right. I mean, there's, there's high level in all divisions, right? That's right. So, you know, and, and make that very clear, right. That, that there's high level, you know, D twos and D threes and NAI. I mean, they're tremendous players in all divisions and it's yes. getting tougher and tougher. Right. But when, when, when we talk about, you know, there, when we talk about too much of anything that that's bad. Right. right. If you eat too much food, if, if someone drinks too much alcohol, if you know, if you don't have balance, that's a bad thing. And the same thing applies to junior tennis players. Right. Too much tennis, too much training, too much talk in the house about tennis when the tennis day is over from parents and, and kids. Right. There needs to be separation. Right. So, you know, they need to have balance. Go play other sports. Go, you know, whatever you want to do. Go pursue to Pursue an instrument. Yeah. Pursue yeah, a creative something. outlet. Yeah. Something. And yeah. listen, Wayne Bryan, who is the dad of the Bryan brothers, who, I, you know, I love him. He was adamant that his kids play musical instruments. That was a very important thing in their family. Um, Wayne's a musician. Both boys have become musicians. The kids are now the 
well, the boys' kids, that Wayne's grandkids are playing instruments. I mean, there is a reason to offer your children some sort of outlet besides tennis and besides school. They need that. Mm. And, and I think that if we start thinking about our children more holistically, not just as tennis players, but as human beings that, that have all sorts of needs that need filling, that we're going to position our kids better to get recruited to the schools they want to play for. Yeah. I mean, you're doing it. You're seeing it with your son, right? Your son's playing golf at a very high level, but your son is also involved in different activities. He's got little brother to play with. And I mean, he plays other sports. I mean, he's in, he's in soccer and baseball as well. Listen, I'll tell you a story. I mean, so we're in Pinehurst, North Carolina right now, right. For, for this, this, this golf tournament where I'm seeing hundreds of kids running around on they're on a putting green and they're just having the time of their life. And this life, is right? international. Let me just point out that this yes. event you're at yes. is an international event. There are children, children. This is an eight and under tournament. So yeah, even younger, younger, I think six, it starts at six. Right. So, yeah. so there are ch- little children from all over the world who have traveled to North Carolina to play in this golf tournament. So sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, my, my son, you know, he was in a practice round today with two other boys. And one boy was from Spain with his golf coach here. He's eight, right? And and the golf coach was great, fun guy. We were we were chatting and everything. And um, but then there was another boy where you could see there were already there were already problems and issues with this boy breaking down, and you could see the father that that there that there was tension already. Mm-hmm. And this is two, this is two days before the tournament even starts, where it's just practice. Mm-hmm. There's already there's already issues. I'm like, geez, not 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 good. Not good. Right. right. And um, but, you know, hey, it is it is what it is, I guess. But but um, well, let me I just mean, throw out there, too, that, you know, an event just finished in here in the States, Zonals, which is a team event, a junior team event. And yeah. um, I will be doing a podcast episode on Zonals and, and I'm hoping to get a coach and a couple parents on to talk about their experience. We need more of that kind of thing. And one of the yeah. things that you shared with me that, that they're doing in Pinehurst is there was a father-son competition. Parent-child. Parent-child. Yeah. Oh, parent-child. Sorry, not parent, just father-son. Okay, yeah, parent-child. Yeah. Pa- parent-child that, that, that we had, that we played in. Well, we played last year in it. And, and then we played yesterday. And it is a blast to be walking the fairways. Why don't we do that in tennis? Why are we not doing things like that for our children to to make it fun for the parents and the kids? I know I'm walking around and I'm looking at this and and I'm like, this is heaven to have your child here at this event. And and keep in mind, they're playing some of the best golf courses in the world. Like I, like I said, this would be taking like, like taking, six to you know six year old to 12 year olds to Wimbledon to play and the kids are treated like gold here right and so and not only that here's something really funny I don't I don't think I told you is that so the 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 other the other father and son that we got paired with yesterday morning so they're from California and I said oh I I played you know quite a bit of tennis in California you know and the father said I played for Clemson University I'm like and he started reeling off names of guys that I played with at University of Miami. Yeah. So there was a connection. 
And, uh, and obviously, uh, you know, so we hit it off and it was a great time. And the parents, you know, they're even saying, this is like the best day that I have all year with my child. And it really is. It's really incredible. It's just a blast. And we need more team events or parent child events in the United States for sure. And then in my hotel here where we're staying with, with, with my son, I want to play ping pong. I want to play pool. We walk in and there's like six or eight kids already in there. And so they all, they all go have a blast. And, and I'm like, this is what I remember with my junior right. career when I started traveling. But keep in mind, I did not travel till I was like 15 years old. Right. You know, and you're seeing eight year olds and 10 year olds and, and yeah. it's, it's great. It, it is great. But so these are the kinds of things that need to start early in the junior development process to build that love of competition, to build that excitement, to go to tournaments and play your best tennis. Right. I, I mean, my memory of going to tournaments with my son is, you know, we're at another, you know, chain hotel, we're yeah. eating another meal at Chipotle or Panera, you know, you show up at the tournament, every facility looks the same, you know, there's nothing that makes it special, every t-shirt looks the same, it just has a different name on it. I mean, it's just, it's the same old, same old grind, 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 grind. And because of the way the ranking system is, you felt the need to be at two to three tournaments a month so that your ranking could keep up with your peers, right? Is it any wonder that by the time our kids get to college, they're done? They are burned out. Well, here's here's some good information for, for the parents that are listening, right? And so I spoke to, you know, maybe one of the best college coaches over the last 40 years, over 40 years, right? Okay. Here's the information so everybody understands. Number one, nat- the college coaches are not looking at national, national ranking in America. They don't look at that anymore. They look at UTR, ITF ranking, ATP and WTA points. Okay, just so so when you start talking about an American family that's chasing the points all around the country, the college coaches, they're not concerned with your national ranking, right? They're concerned with someone that can win for them. So you'd be better off at at this moment. I'm not telling you not to play USTA tournaments. You'd be better off going to play a UTR tennis tournament, raise your UTR and get it to a certain level of, you know, of, you know, whatever it is, a 10, a 12, a 13, whatever it is. And then start looking at schools that would be great for your for your child. And the cool thing about doing that is you're not limited to only playing kids in your age group. You can play against older and younger. You can play against college players, current and recent graduates. You can play against adults and get that exposure like the international players are getting before they come here to play college tennis. And this is. Gosh, it's just so frustrating, Todd, because we all feel that pressure to, you know, got to get the ranking up, got to get the ranking up because, you know, we might not make it into the level two or the level one tournament if our ranking is not high enough. But what you're saying and, and listen, you're not telling me anything. I haven't heard multiple times from college coaches. USTA ranking is not. (laughs) <laughs> the the metric that they're looking at for recruiting purposes anymore. And that's been the case for a few years now. And I get that you have to have a ranking to get into tournaments, but guess what? 
for the level one hard courts that's coming up next week, ATP and WTA ranking is a consideration for selection and seeding into that tournament. Right. Very good. I mean, when, when, when you look at, you know, who you want to be picking for, for your college roster, how do you take a kid that doesn't have any experience playing men or women or, or, you know, older players or pro or lower level professional players? Why would you take that, 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 that young, you know, it could be even a younger player who mm-hmm. doesn't have that experience. How do you, you know, how do you determine who you want to pick? I'm taking the one that has pro experience that has traveled around the world. That's mature, maybe traveling by themselves. Right. You know, but, but we go back when you talk about management of tournaments, we go back to who is managing the career for yes. that individual. Yes. Right. That's, that's you know, the question. Are, and, are and they experts in, right. in, in, in placing, uh, you know, a male or a female in college, right? We have, we have tennis pros that feed balls and maybe hit tennis balls. But who is the expert that's with that child day in and day out and understands, hey, this is what this this student needs every single day. And this is what we're building towards. And these are the tournaments this is the physical training that's needed. And da, 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 da. And Who's so, doing yes. that? So so there is a responsibility on the part of the junior coach, for sure, to understand all of this. But let's say you live somewhere and you don't have access to a coach that has that knowledge and experience. There's nothing stopping parents from educating themselves and understanding. And believe me, there have been plenty of stellar tennis parents who have taken the time to learn and understand what it takes to be a recruit at a high level college. And you can do that. You know, I'm speaking to you parents out there. You don't have to rely on your child's coach if you don't have access to a coach that has that knowledge. At the same time, people like Todd, people like J.Y. O'Bone are available to you to help guide you if you don't have access locally to that type of coaching. And I'm not saying you need to shell out thousands of dollars to have a consulting coach. Todd, you'll work with families on a one-time basis, have a conversation and, you know, help set them on the right path. There are several coaches in your same boat that are more than happy to share their expertise and knowledge. Yes, you're going to charge a fee because your time is valuable, but it doesn't have to break the bank to do that, to gain that knowledge and for the parent to manage all of these things that you're talking about. It's a matter of getting educated and not handing your child off to somebody without doing your due diligence and and trusting that that coach has the knowledge. If they don't have the knowledge, then step in yourself as the parent and do what you need to do to help your child achieve their goal, whatever that is. So I, you know, I want to be really careful that we avoid saying, our kids aren't good enough. Our coaches aren't good enough. Our system isn't good enough. All the resources are out there. It may just take a little extra work to put them all together to, you know, create something that is the right fit for your family and for your child's needs. And you just got to be willing to, to go after it. That's one of the things I talk to families about all the time. 
You know, the people will call me from small towns in the middle of the country and say, you know, there just isn't competition here or there isn't the coaching level here that I feel like my child needs to to reach his or her goal. Well, guess what? Then you call Todd or you call JY or you call one of the other phenomenal coaches that I've had the pleasure of getting to know over the years and and you let them help guide you. You call me and you let me help guide you through the recruiting part of it. it. It's just the resources are there. We just all have to work together to put the package together for the kids. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, I was on a, what a quarterly um, consultation with you uh, maybe a month ago. Yeah. I mean, for your viewers, every single one should be taking advantage. Yeah. of you know of of your membership and also being able to speak with you quarterly to see how that particular child is doing that was tremendous and you know what i'm going to need that for my son's golf right i don't right. know much about golf and i have a very good friend of mine who actually grew up playing tennis but he runs a golf academy in miami and i know that i'm going to have to consult with him and he's actually coming here with some students as we speak you know, at some point I'm going to have to start asking, Hey, what, what are the proper tournaments? You know, what are the tours that my son should be playing in? And he knows this. We spoke about this a year ago when my son was seven and we were sitting at the dinner table here in Pinehurst, North Carolina. But I, but I know this, right. And I know that, you know, I'm not going to be managing his career. I'm going to need some great help of, you know, the training and, and when to play and, and, and what to play. And I understand that. And then it's, then, you know, it's up to me as the parent, to put my child in that great position to help them achieve what they would love to achieve. And my takeaway from what you just said, Todd, is you're not going to Eli's coach for that guidance because the coach has the coach role. You're going to somebody outside your immediate circle who you trust to guide you properly so that you can help your son reach his goals. Well, and understand that, there's a lot of things that go through my mind and maybe I compare it to tennis, you know, where, where, where my son is right now, there are very, very few kids that come out of that arena, even though it's a different sport that go on to play high level college golf. Right. I mean, we're talking about an eight year old right now, but, you know, but I see him, I see him continually progressing, having a great time. And, and, and so I, I love it and it's great for him and everything. But also keep in mind that my other friend that I grew up playing tennis with, he has sent students to the best colleges in the country and a proven track record. So we have multiple people in in my son's corner that are that are great. And why wouldn't you as a parent take advantage of having that knowledge and experience accessible to you? Why wouldn't you take advantage of that? Well, well, and, and also I understand that you know, there are coaches that want to teach lessons and groups, and then there are others that can really manage a career, mm-hmm. right. And hopefully do everything. So, you know, for example, the, the person that my son is with, he does lessons and clinics, which is very customary for tennis coaches, but also for golf coaches. Right. But also in my mind, I'm thinking how many kids that I see in a given arena and how many are going on to you know, play at higher levels, mm-hmm. right. Of, of, of college athletics, right. That's going through my mind. So, you know, those percentages are going through my mind, maybe in tennis, that could be maybe a given arena, a tennis Academy, a tennis system, like I have, whatever it is, you know, if there's 50, a hundred kids, how many are going on 
to be playing at, you know, certain types of universities or maybe even a pro career that, that may be, uh, you know, that you may be interested in for your child or your child is interested in, you know, getting to that certain type of level. Right. Right. And, and I mean, this is something you and I have talked about offline quite a bit, but knowing that a coach has sent X number of kids to play division one tennis is all well and good, but what's happened to the rest of the kids that have trained with that coach? Where did they wind up after junior tennis? Did they play college tennis? If so, what level? Or did they give up tennis altogether at the end of juniors and go off to a big school and have a rah-rah college experience, which is awesome? Um, you know, or did they do something else? And and I think, you know, we get so caught up in the marketing of these different coaches saying, well, you know, I've sent, you know, 25 kids to, you know, full ride to division one. Okay, great. How many kids have you trained in the last 10 years? Uh, and what uh, happened to the rest of them? Where are they? What did they right. do? You Let's only ask the hear, questions. You only hear of the superstars, but what, what are the ratios? Right. Right. That's that's the thing. You Not know. even the ratios, but but of the kids that didn't get that full ride to that top tier D1 school, what happened to them? Where did they go? Did they quit before college? Did they play through juniors and, you know, like I said, you know, ha- choose a different path for college? There's no right or wrong answer, but just have the information. Understand that marketing tactics are marketing tactics, whether they're being used by a junior coach or a college coach. Everybody's trying to sell you. So you've got to dig deeper. You've got to dig past you know, the numbers that they're putting out there and ask the follow-up questions. It's, it's important. Well, me, me as a parent, you know, if I saw 50 or hundred kids running around, right. And they're training in a certain arena and they, they advertised one that went to, you know, a great school or a couple, I would right. think, but what about the majority? What happened to those? And, and, you know, and, and also keep in mind, there's also something else that the parents don't understand is that, you can market certain players and where they're going to go, where they're going to college, but you don't know where they're playing in that lineup and you don't know the scholarships that they received or they're a walk on and they didn't even receive it, but they, they ended up getting to a nice college, but may never even hit a tennis ball in a match, That's a right. competitive match in college. That's right. And, right? and I want to say that, that I did reach out to the ITA, the intercollegiate tennis association to see if there was any data around scholarships and how scholarship money was being allocated, um, American players versus international players. And that information so far has not been available. Um, The ITA doesn't have it. They sent me to the NCAA research department. I have not gotten that information. If I ever get it, believe me, you guys will be the first to know. But um, yeah, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors around recruiting and scholarship money. And, you know, it is important to ask the follow-ups. Yeah, there's, there's, there's no doubt. I mean, these are things that I would think about even for my son's golf. Sure. Right. Of course. Is, Is, you know, how many kids I see, where are they going? Or is there only one out of 50 that are going to a, you know, a great place or, you know, whatever the case shall be. 
Right, right. So, so back to the fixes for this issue, because we are coming to the end of our hour. And I, I forgot to say at the beginning, but I want to just apologize for drinking throughout this. I finished working out right before we started recording. So I'm, I'm hydrating. Um, <laughs> Good. Yeah. Good. Oh, and it's hot today. Um, but getting back to what can we do to help our American players be more attractive to college coaches at these top programs, but all college programs, because the numbers of international versus American players across the board in college tennis skews heavily toward international. It, it, I don't care where you look, you know, every roster you look at, you will see, you know, a good number of international players on the roster, which again, I am all for, but I also want our American players to have an equal opportunity to be recruited and to get to play when they get to college, if that's what they desire. So we talked about, you know, finding the right coach. We talked about managing um, the tournament schedule and making sure that these kids aren't overplaying tournaments, that they're playing the correct tournaments. Also, finding balance in the child's life so that it's not just school, tennis, school, tennis. There's got to be something else thrown in there to give the kids a break, whether it's another sport, whether it's a creative outlet, whether it's volunteering in the community, something, preferably a combination of all those things, you know, so that they come out of this as well-rounded humans, which is really the goal. But I understand that for a child to develop into the highest level athlete tennis player that they can be, it takes focus and it takes sacrifice on the part of the child and the part of the family. But the last thing you want is to make those sacrifices and then have the child burn out because they aren't offered any type of relief from the stress and pressure of training and competing. So I think we need to be cognizant of that as a tennis community here in this country. Um, more isn't necessarily better. Better is better. <laughs> so you can do less and do it better and achieve your goal, right? And that's that's yeah. one of the things that you do, Todd, with, with your training, right? It's they're not on court eight hours a day hitting tennis no, balls. There's all never. sorts of stuff mixed in there, including yeah. social time and including just time to be kids and hang out and, you know, tease each other and joke around and have fun and, and just goof off. Everybody needs that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you need a good balance. You know, what, what I, what I think also is that in, you know, for, for, for the American kids, you know, they, they have choices, right. They have a lot of choices. Yes. Right. Right. You know, I mean, I believe that tennis is the number one sport in college for, for transferring, mm. right. They have, yeah. they have choices, right. So, you know, that, that's, that could be a blessing, but it could also be a big detriment, Right. For you know, sure. I was having this discussion with my with my friend that works for me that I played with on 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 the tour, a really good buddy of mine. If you watch my social media, you'll see the the two the the two redheads have been competing a little bit, yeah. you know, last week with with some of the some of the boys that are going off to college and you know in a couple of weeks, right? But you know, I was talking about how 
you know, tennis for me, it was, it was pretty single-minded. Like, you know, I was, I was bred to be a professional player from when I was seven years old and I really loved it. And my other friend was completely the opposite, right? He played multiple sports. He's a very talented athlete. He, you know, he still plays multiple sports very well after he became great in college. And then he actually went into finance for two years and then said, I'm going to be a pro tennis player and got to about 320 on the tour. And he beat me one week, which that, that, that bothers me. Right. <laughs> and, but he, but he's working for me now. So that's, that's good. That's so, yeah, good. There you you know? go. Revenge. So yeah, I got him. But, but anyway, so, you know, but you know, there's different paths and you have to understand that if you took tennis away from me, right. When I was coming through my teenage years, it would, it would, it would have hurt me so much. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's something that I wanted, something that I needed. I was pushing for more and more and more. And so that, you know, that, that was, that was me. That's not but everyone. That's, that's the thing, Todd. And that's what I want everybody to take away from this is that it was coming from you, the athlete. It wasn't coming from an extrinsic source. It wasn't your parents pushing you. It no. wasn't your coach pushing you. It was coming from you. And there are kids yeah. out there who have that internal drive and all yeah. they want to do is be on the court, be training, be hitting balls, be in the gym, be getting better all the time. And that's great. Still, if that's your child, that's that personality as a parent, you still owe it to that child to pull them back a little bit and offer them a break because they're going to make themselves nuts yeah. if, if yeah. it's all tennis all the time. No, and- I, 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 I agree. And it has to come from that student. There was nothing that made me happier than, 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 than training and, 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 and going to compete and pushing myself and trying to beat, you know, players that I respected that I thought were great. There was nothing I wanted to do more than that. Right. Right. You know, and so no, no one had to push me. I was making phone calls. I was telling Pierre, here, feed, feed me another bucket drill. Do this with me, do more. Oh, that wasn't good. Give me another one. Give me another one. But that was coming from me. And I had this drive that I wanted to see. And, and I wanted to play against the world's best tennis players from when I was a little kid. It was a right. dream of mine. But your buddy you know? had a different approach. He did not. Yeah, he, he was the other way. My, my good friend, you right. know, said, you know, I couldn't have handled that. You know, that was not for me, you know, and, and he didn't get good until he got regular good training in college and then became a very elite, one of the best college players in the country. Right. So, but, but he looks at the students, what, what, what they're doing. And now that he's working for me, you know, he's like, this is great. This is so good for their lives and everything. But I said, but this is a certain type of mentality of yeah. these students that are willing and able to go through this. And the parents understand that. Right. And so that's why it works for them. Right. But it doesn't work for everyone. That's right. And it's not the only path. And that's Correct. that's what I want to point out is there are, and, and I say this all the time, it's what makes tennis so challenging from the parent side is it's not like you can just copy what somebody else is doing and it worked the same way for your child. Even Correct. within your family, if you have multiple children, what works for one is not necessarily going to work for the other one. And that's what makes it so challenging. So get to know your child, know what helps them be their best selves, and then position them with the right coach, with the right team around them. You as the parent doing the hard work, figuring out what is going to work for your child to help him or her reach 
his or her goal. And I, I need to stop saying his or her. I need to say their. So their goal and do your homework and take advantage of the resources that are available to you, like consult consulting with me, like, like consulting you. with Todd, <laughs> like consulting yeah. with other coaches out there who are willing to give you their time and offer their expertise and help guide your family to help your child reach their goals. It's all available and we can turn around these percentages in college tennis if we are willing to put the work in to help our children reach their full potential. So, you know, it's it's in our hands as parents, as coaches, as industry people. It's in our hands to create more opportunities for American kids who want to play college tennis. We just have to do the work. So. Beautifully said. I'm going to leave it at that because, um, yeah, we could go on forever and yeah. ever. But, Todd, thanks for doing another podcast so quickly. Thanks for taking time out. Tell Eli I appreciate him lending you to us for the last hour or so and um, wish him all the best yeah. this weekend. And- uh, he's, 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 he's on his iPad right next to me. Hey, hey Eli. <laughs> and, and we're getting ready for a parade of nations for this event. That like goes little Mo. The, the main streets. Yeah. yeah. Little Mo it's, does it's, something similar, but yes. I I've seen what happens at yeah. Pinehurst. It is massive. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It, it is. This yeah. is well done. This yeah. is well done. <laughs> Very cool. So yeah. tournament directors out there, please go take a look at the documentary, the short game. It is about this event at Pinehurst. Look at yeah. what they offer for these families traveling from all over the world to come compete and let's get something similar in tennis. Little Mo is is a step in the right direction and they do a phenomenal job, but we need more of that for our kids yeah. at all ages. So, yeah, I mean, Todd, thank you. Oh, go ahead. Yep. The last thing is that when you look at, at these at, at these youngsters, male or female, the first thing that goes to my mind is these kids are going to be playing this sport for their whole life. Right. They are going to be in it, whether they're going to play college or maybe on their school team or or maybe a pro career, right? They're going to play forever. And, and, and you could just see the joy in their face. So it's yeah. beautiful. Love it. Love yeah. it. Well, good luck this weekend. To my listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We will catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, buy a tennis parent. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at ParentingAces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.